Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. With the talks of gun rights restrictions getting heated, how practical are these regulations in real life? And where are the boundaries? I talked to Lieutenant Colonel Alan West to get his perspective. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, thank you again for joining us. It's always a pleasure, Steve. Uh, President Biden has come out with pretty strong statements uh, that he's he's pushing for a serious crackdown on gun rights restrictions. Um, which, what's the temperature right now? Well, the temperature is that we don't want to go down the path of what we just saw Justin Trudeau announce up in Canada, where you will not have any buying, selling, uh, trading, or the import of uh, firearms. The Second Amendment is an enumerated right to citizens here in the United States of America. It is codified in our rule of law and is very troubling and disconcerting when you have the President of the United States of America, who is supposed to uphold the Constitution, comes out and says that uh, the Second Amendment is not absolute. When if you're going to pick and choose which one of our Bill of Rights is not absolute, where does it start, start, and where does it end? And so I see this as a reaction from the progressive socialist left because they understand that here's a window of opportunity to once again emotionalize a tragedy, uh, and as Rahm Emanuel said, never let a good crisis go to waste, so that they can undermine the Second Amendment. And we cannot allow that to happen. Colonel West, what do you say to people that say, do you really think you're going to need guns to fight your government? The Founding Fathers believed that. And let's just look at history. Every single instance where the government, totalitarian, tyrannical governments, have removed private gun ownership, what did they end up doing? They turned citizens into subjects. Adolf Hitler in the 1930s, when he was Chancellor of Germany, put Hermann Goering in charge of the Ministry of Interior, and what did they do? They had everyone conduct a gun registry, and then they took away private gun ownership. You come all the way to modern history of Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. One of the first things he did, took away private gun ownership. And now, what was once one of the most prosperous nations in the Western Hemisphere, people are being gunned down in the streets by the government, and they're also eating from garbage cans. So guess what? That's where history teaches that it leads to. This term, reasonable uh, gun rights uh, legislation or, or you know, gun control laws, um, when it comes to background checks, universal background checks, from your perspective, is this something that would fall into that category of reasonable? We already have background checks. Um, and when people say that you can purchase a, a weapon online, that's a lie. I mean, you can order a weapon, but that weapon then has to be sent to a gun dealership or a federal firearms licensee, FFL, and you have to go, and guess what you have to do? You have to fill out a 4473 background check before that weapon can be released to you, and you have to pass that background check. What is happening in America is that when you look at this background check system, there are people falling through the cracks. In Texas, we had the shooting at the church, Sutherland Springs. The perpetrator there, the gunman there, was a dishonorably discharged member from the United States Air Force because of a domestic violence uh, case. He was never entered into the background system. And so the Air Force failed, and therefore he was able to go and purchase an AR-15, but guess what? 
Stephen Williford was the simple citizen who had an AR-15, ran out of his house without shoes, and engaged that gunman, and he neutralized him. The legal law-abiding responsible gun owners should not be held accountable or responsible for the failures of government, the failures for the background check system, and the failures uh, and the evil actions of individuals. Six times in Uvalde, there were call-outs, police call-outs to the home of that gunman. 21 times there were call-outs to the home of Nicholas Cruz, who was the Parkland shooter. Why were those individuals not put into a system so that they would not be able to go out and purchase firearms? In Buffalo, mental uh, treatments and evaluation, but he was let go, released, and never, never any follow-up. So that's where we need to start. So is there a system in place right now to track these mental uh, patients when they're inbound, or is that what you're suggesting? That's what I'm suggesting. And, of course, everyone comes out with the, the red flag laws. But what ends up happening is that, you know, the the law-abiding citizen gets caught up in a red flag law. Case in point, uh, November 2018, I believe, Ferndale, Maryland, Gary J. Willis, a 61-year-old man, is shot and killed at 5.30 in the morning in his own home. Police officers show up to serve a red flag uh, warrant against him. To this day, no one knows who those officers were. No one knows where that red flag warrant came from. Now, if you want to know the right way to do it, I have some great friends at the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office down in Florida. They do it the right way. They bring individuals in. If they see some disturbing things on social media, they continue to follow and track these individuals. If it escalates, then they kick in, you know, a, a gun confiscation of that individual. But they have built a case. And this is not what I think that we want to see uh, just happening, where folks just, you can go out and call, well, you know that Alan West guy, I'm kind of worried about him. You may want to go show up at his door and uh, confiscate his weapons. That's what some people are talking about. We don't want to have that in America. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, thank you. Always a pleasure, Steve. Thank you. Today, the national average price for gas hits its highest in U.S. history at nearly $5 a gallon, and it's expected to go even higher. At yesterday's hearing on Capitol Hill, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen told the Senate Finance Committee that it is impossible to protect gas prices from the effects of Russia's war with Ukraine. Several factors are being blamed for hindering U.S. oil and gas production, lack of drilling, labor and supply shortages, and the Biden administration's policies that inhibit transport of oil, specifically cutting off the Keystone Pipeline. With Americans feeling the pinch at the pump now more than ever, and inflation affecting normal life for Americans in ways that they've never felt before, E.J. Tony is an expert economist and research fellow at the Heritage Foundation. We had a chance to discuss this with him. Here's a look. E.J. Tony, thank you so much for joining us in the Capitol Report. Great to be with you. EJ, some uh, experts predict the odds of a recession within the next year or so is up to 30 percent. Uh, what is your perception? Oh, I think it's quite higher than that. We may be in a recession already. And if we are not now, I think by this time next year, we most certainly will be. To do, would you say, uh, with the policy of the Fed? A tremendous amount. The Federal Reserve has essentially set the economy up for disaster. The Federal Reserve in order to finance trillions of dollars in unfunded spending by Congress and the president 
have essentially set the nation up so that there is no good way out of the situation. They have backed us into the corner where on the one hand we have continued inflation and on the other hand we have a recession. EJ, a lot of experts argue that uh, Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus plan last year has exacerbated inflation. What are your thoughts? Oh, no, there's no doubt about it. Absolutely. One of the things we have to remember about inflation is that it is fundamentally a tax. It's a hidden tax. So it's not something that Congress has to explicitly vote on and the president has to sign as a tax itself. But that's what it is. It is a tax. So Americans need to realize that all of the higher prices they are paying right now are financing the trillions, literally trillions of dollars in unfunded government spending. And that spending by Congress and the president have done exactly that. They have added to inflation. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on our uh, previous question in terms of how the uh, Fed's policies are, are, are not helping the situation? Certainly, can't control the money supply. The only ones who can do that. No one else has the ability to create money out of nothing like the Federal Reserve does. So when the president tries to blame greedy corporations, or when the president says it's meat producers or supply chain issues, whatever the case may be, or even just a spendthrift consumer, none of that is true because none of those groups have a printing press like the Federal Reserve does. And what the Federal Reserve did, again, in order to finance those trillions of dollars in unfunded government spending, is they created the money for Congress and the president to actually spend. What that did is it devalued the dollar. And the result of that is higher prices. So now that the damage has been done, what is uh, the way out of this and what uh, actions can Congress take? There's only one cure for inflation. That's for the government to spend less money, to borrow less money, and to print less money. That's it. That's the solution. That is the only way out. And unfortunately, the side effect of that in the short term is going to be to cause a recession. But that is the cure that the country needs. If the Federal Reserve had actually acted when they were supposed to over a year ago, and if Congress and the president had not continued this ridiculous spending spree, then we wouldn't be in this situation. And what the Federal Reserve would have been able to do is give a much lower dose of this chemotherapy of higher interest rates in order to kill the cancer of inflation. But the problem is the cancer is now so advanced and so systemic throughout the entirety of the patient's organism that now we need a very high and heavy dose of that chemotherapy. And again, the side effects of that are going to be bad. It will be a recession, but the positive result will be stable prices in the long run. And that is a necessary ingredient for long run growth. EJ and Tony, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.